your presence is more important than you know. You know, your words, your hugs, your everything. It may seem overbearing, I don't know, but as long as they have you, that that is the most important thing and you have a such a pivotal role. Listening to the Single Mom Cast. I'm Mel Hyatt, and I'm Pam Canaley. Pam, today we are talking about just a horrible topic mm. uh, that we have to talk about. And I am so thankful that we have friends in the room to help us get through yes. this. Uh, moms, we have with us Generation Y. Um, guys, you just want to introduce yourself. Tell us about what's who you are, what Generation Y is, and we're just going to jump right in. Yeah, yeah. My name is Jordan Miller with Generation Y, W-H-Y. Um, the cool kids call it Gen Y, um, so you can call it Gen Y, too. Um, yeah, we travel all over the United States going into schools to begin about anti-bullying, suicide prevention, and mental health, and we do that through the creative arts. So we have rappers, dancers, spoken word artists, motivational speakers. We've been doing um, this thing for the last six years, and we've been able to, um, blessed to be able to impact 120,000 students live. We service 20,000 students a year, um, working on being able to create a class that can be able to be um, within the schools and create a safe space for these students to be able to enjoy school and have a break and uh, being able to feel safe enough to talk about their mental health. And with me is my good friend, uh, Marcus Black in Black Speaks, a world-renowned speaker, author, um, best-selling author, and uh, yeah, super dope. You that was your intro. Sorry. Thank Go you ahead. very much. I appreciate yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, I am Marcus Black, also known as M Black Speaks, and I get to do a lot of cool things, man. I get to coach a lot of people. I get to travel the world, lighting stages and audiences on fire. I get to pour into a lot of students. But the most important person I will talk to today is you. And uh, honored to be here with the team for such a pivotal mm. topic, the one uh, that affects a lot of people heavily. So we're going to really dive deep today. So... That's yeah. awesome. By the way, do you love both of these guys' voices? It's just, I just want to listen to them all I day. I know. Do I need to lower my voice? Yeah. Well, I just feel like they know what they're talking about. <laughs> they so, do. You know, let's go for this for sure. Well, we know a little bit about what you guys do. Can you tell us something about yourself? You know, we'll just start with Marcus. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Marcus, maybe your family or whatever, and then, Jordan, you do the same. Yeah, I live in yeah, yeah. Oklahoma City. However, comma, that's one of my favorite things to say. I was born in the heart of the South, uh, born in Memphis, Tennessee, raised in Mississippi, and I am no stranger to adversity. I saw a lot of it in my life, and then death, and I did the tango. We danced a few times. We danced when I was 18 years of age, and I lived to tell that story, and uh, I like to now go around helping other people realize that you're never too far gone. You are not defined by what you've been through and everything you've ever been through. You've come out on the other side. Whatever you face now will be no different. And there is a fire I want to light in your heart and soul so that you realize you are purpose as well. So that's me in a nutshell. And, uh, yeah, I live right next door to him. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> um, my name is Jordan. Yeah, I, we, I grew up in here in here in Oklahoma City, graduated from Mustang. Um, uh, grew up with a, a, a not a single mom, like you were saying earlier, but um, a mom that even when we didn't have everything, I had all I needed. Um, so I love moms. I love y'all moms. Um, and so, yeah, and then uh, – 
you know, graduated, went through, uh, been, you know, traveling, doing music as well, DJing, all that kind of thing, and um, realized realized my my heart for people. And um, once I realized that, it changed um, the trajectory and direction of um, using my gifts and then challenging my friends to be able to do the same. And so um, once we found our purpose, we were able to start um, helping other people find theirs. And um, I actually personally um, connect really well with this topic that we um, are going to be talking about. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But um, that's one of the pivotal moments and trajectories that changed my uh, life. And um, I dealt with this whole um, topic of suicide myself. Um, I actually attempted twice um, as a freshman in college. And then I lost a, one of my friends to it as well. And then whenever um, I found out this is a long story, sorry. Um, I'll make it quick. But um, whenever I found out that my friend actually ended up passing from suicide, that actually is what gave me the urgency um, to be actually to be able to create Generation Y. Um, and God put that that um, urgency in my heart because of what happened through that situation. And so, um, so yeah, that's a little bit about me, real quick, and then. Now we're here. It's a blast. I'm thankful that you said the word urgency because I I was going to ask you both, and you kind of shared it. Marcus, you can share. I was going to ask you, and I was struggling with this word. I was going to ask you, why are you passionate about this topic? And then I was thinking about myself. I don't know that passion is the word that I was thinking. I think I'm just angry, but maybe it is this urgency um, because, Pam, you know, I, I worked with teenagers for 20 years and... The unfortunate part of my job was either visiting mental hospitals after a soccer game or going to funerals. And when I stopped working with students, I thought that part of my life was over. But now I live with teenagers. And just this year, I have been to three funerals for young men that took their lives that are the age of my son. And so I'm just kind of angry, but I think I'm going to adopt your word of urgency because that feels a little better. (laughs) Um, So I feel a lot of things around this because I am so tired. Um, I'm just tired, you know, and I'm I'm so thankful that you guys are passionate, Pam, because I'm I'm tired and these guys are not look at how well rested they look and they're energetic and but I guess Marcus and maybe um, Jordan if you want to say more Marcus why are you a part of Generation Y like we heard Jordan's story that brought him to this place but what about you yeah it's uh always grief and loss you know it always comes back to that and and we are tired as well but I think when you get to Generation Y the Y stands for like why w-h-y purpose like why are we on the planet what are we here for right so even from the in the realm of a believer like we look at the greatest example we have who is jesus who comes here who doesn't need to do anything he does yet doesn't go and sit in the high places yet doesn't go and sit on a throne and ride in chariots he goes and he's washing feet and he's serving people because he's trying to get us to realize that we are god's greatest gift to each other but we don't always function that way. And so there was a man by the name of Jonathan McReynolds who wrote a song called Deliver Us From People. And the first word out of the song, the first line, he says, they are the best and the worst of all creation. God, when you said you could heal us from anything, 
What about people? And that resonated deeply with me because I have a choice. And the choice I have is to continue to allow my personal hurt to drive me and to hold me down or to realize that just like he was sent here for a purpose, I was sent here for a purpose. I almost died three times over and I'm still here, which means there's a purpose. And so it's up to me to figure out what that is. And so my purpose I learned is to give life to people. Like you see it on my shirt. You guys can't see it, but it says vitalize, right? That means to give life to. Everything I do is to give life to others. And so when I find myself in this situation, you ask me why generation Y, it's because when we go through pain, we lose purpose. We don't lose purpose, we lose our sense of purpose. So when we're look, looking at a generation that's living in a perpetual state of overwhelm, that's carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders, in their minds, in their hearts, and they are struggling, and they don't feel like we can communicate because mental health is stigmatized. I don't want to be looked at as weird. I don't want to be looked at as weak. I don't want to be looked at like something is wrong with me, so I just carry it until it gets unbearable, and then I make a choice, and we want to say, not on our watch. Not on our watch. If we can give you an outlet, if we can tie you back to purpose, even when hurtful things happen, even when painful things happen, even when you find yourself in an adverse situation, you're going to have the ability to keep pressing another day because of the purpose that we have now allowed to connect you to. And so in me helping you find and fulfill your purpose, I am fulfilling my purpose, Hmm. and we get to all be the best part of creation by following the example he set for us. I love that. I want to ask you, you talked about vitalizes on your shirt, but also on your shirt and on your arm is because you can. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. Um, That's a rallying cry for the person who feels less than, for the person who has been mistreated and abused like I was. I literally walked about this earth as an inferior version of myself for a long time. I felt worthless. I felt hopeless, lifeless. I was like AMC, which I equate to walking dead. I was alive but not living. And there's a lot of people on the planet who are that way. And my whole life I got told by teachers, by parental figures that I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And one day I heard a quote by James. Baldwin, who said, it took me many years of vomiting up all the filth that I had been taught about myself and even have began to believe before I was able to walk about this earth as though I had a right to be here. And that's when the message, you belong here, became real to me. And I realized that, yo, I belong here. I am valuable. I do have worth. And it doesn't matter what the world told me. They told me I can't, but I'm deciding that I can't. And when I did, it changed my entire life. I started doing things that don't even make sense. I started being in rooms and traveling the world, and the brand started elevating. And then I realized for every other person in the world who feels worthless, who feels lifeless, who feels like you don't have anything to offer, I am going to challenge you at every turn and light the fire in your heart and soul to remind you that what they said you can't, they don't get to determine that because they didn't give you your purpose and they can't take it away. So I'm going to challenge you to get up because it literally says in the book, 
we, that we can do exceedingly abundantly. He can do all, like, more than we can even begin to ask, think, or imagine. Like, we can't even fathom the good we can do because of the power, right, that he's given us. His divine power has already given us everything. So mm-hmm. if we can lock in to that and lock in to purpose and lock in to passion, then we can literally change the world. Mm-hmm. I do love that. Because you can. Because you can. <laughs> that, that Just, and, and you can is in all caps. And then a period. Yes. So it is. It is not a question mark. It is a statement. Moms, you know what? We all have stories. And you brought your story to this podcast. And and the title had the word suicide in it. And so I'm not sure what how that relates to your story. But I know these two gentlemen that are here today, it relates to their story in some way. So I want to ask them, is there any coordination with the topic of suicide in your personal stories? Yeah, um, yes. Uh, so, like I was saying earlier in my intro, you know, um, I actually, um, uh, yeah, was a survivor of suicide, and so I attempted suicide. Um, and I know this topic is actually, you know, could be, you know, triggering for moms or anybody listening and stuff. And so, um, please be able to, you know, hear our heart so we can be able to speak to yours. Um, and so, like, my thing is, um, this whole topic of suicide hits his home because um, freshman year of college, I, I attempted twice um, just because of, of isolation. We were talking about it actually earlier um, in the other podcast. Um, if y'all did not listen to the other podcast, go back and listen to that other um, episode. Um, but um, I was isolating myself actually quite a bit um, because of a lot of reasons. One, um, I've, I was misunderstood um, and I felt alone. I felt that, um, you know, my, my purpose was not really obtainable. Um, but all I knew is that I love people and, um, I knew the calling that God put on my heart. Um, but nobody else was really hearing me out and nobody was giving me guidance or direction on where to go with it. And so, um, feeling alone, feeling isolated and misunderstood was where Jordan was at. And so, um, so that was that was me during that time, and then um, whenever I actually started to understand, you know, my purpose and where I could go with it, um, I was actually hit with um, some news of one of my high school friends um, that I graduated with. Super super funny guy, class clown, all that kind of stuff. Had a great family. Um, he played football. He was in youth group. All the things. Um, Everybody thought that, you know, he had an amazing future and where he was going and all that kind of stuff. And so um, I was actually getting a haircut by a girl that I also graduated with. I usually share this story whenever I'm at assemblies as well so the students can understand where my urgency comes from. Um, And I want to add on not only urgency but, like, a burden. Because for some reason after this, like, I felt like it was my duty to, like, no matter how many people that we're in front of, no matter if it's, like, one person, we're doing a one-on-one, or we're doing, you know, 5,000 people in one show or something like that. It doesn't matter who, how many. It matters about the one, you know? Because of that one, just imagine how many people that they come in contact. So really, you're impacting thousands. Mm-hmm. So, um, but whenever I found out um, that one of my friends, Wes, um, he actually, yeah, he um, took his life about two weeks before I found out. Um, 
And as I'm sitting there in the chair and this burden started to fall on my shoulders, this weight that I started to feel on my shoulders came because I remembered two months before I found out, he messaged me on Facebook and I never messaged him back for whatever reason during that time. You know, obviously I was going through my own stuff um, as well as, you know, just life or whatever, whatever excuse it was, I don't know. But um, I never messaged them back. And whenever I'm talking to these students about that urgency and that sense of, listen, it doesn't matter like if it takes 30 seconds out of your day, that's a f so small of a fraction um, or a percentage of your day to be taken out to acknowledge somebody, you know, no matter where you're at in life, if you're able to just acknowledge that somebody is existing, then you could potentially save that person's life. And so that's the urgency that I, you know, I told, I tell students all the time. And, um, and it changes a lot of perspectives, you know, for students to be like, it doesn't matter about our differences. I usually say that as well as like our differences shouldn't divide us. Our purpose should unite us. And it's like, we're all trying to strive for that purpose, that identity. Marcus said it earlier is like a lot of us are just existing in the world, but none, none of us are thriving and living. Right. So it's like, once we are able to, you know, light these students up and put a fire under them and understand like, you know, I'm not just sitting here in these seats, like just taking up space. Space. I have a purpose, it, you know, and whatever it is, um, we're actually able to take action on that. And it, with what that is, is just taking another step. And so whenever we're talking about this whole concept and, and topic of suicide, it's really inspiring these kids to take that next step. Because as, as, as many of you know, it's like how many of you have a bad day, you know, and think that your life is bad, right? I did that. I did that at least twice. And I'm not going to lie, I haven't really shared this to a lot of people, but during 2020, I was going through a lot um, through obviously our organization and then partnership, all that kind of stuff. And then uh, I was at my worst part, my second worst part of my life. And that was my, my third time that I ever thought about ending it. And um, it literally took my son. Um, getting up and getting active and then also, um, God, you know, and then, um, and if I did not take that next step, you know, this whole thing, generation Y, all of these students that we're impacting, it, it wouldn't be where it's at right now and no telling where it's going to go later down the road. And it's like, as long as I can encourage, we can encourage each person, you guys, you ladies, like all you moms, all this kind of stuff, just keeps taking that next step, um, and encourage your, your kids to do the same. Um, that's what, that's what we're going to do. So I even wrote a spoken word for my friend, uh, Wes and everything like that. Um, and it's like a letter to him if he was still here. So, uh, I usually, I was, it sounded like I was about to set that up to do it. Do it. <laughs> do it. I, I think he should do, do it. Let me I mean, tell I, you I, I can. Do you have it uh, memorized? Yes. Oh yeah, definitely. This Jordan. Is, <laughs> I'm going to force him to do it. Let me tell you why though. I want to preface this. Like we're talking about a heavy topic and I'm sure this has affected you personally, maybe even your own thoughts. You've mm. had thoughts yourself or you wonder if your kids have thoughts or the, the tragedy of you've lost someone you love and you have a hole the size of them in your heart to this day. And I want you to know a lot of things. Uh, number one, I had a friend who wrote a song. We lost a friend in college and it was heartbreaking and we were within the Christian faith and there were all these people who had all these thoughts and even some pretty negative things to say to her family and my friend just wrote a simple song for her and the song that he wrote said 
Yes, he included me. Yes, he included me. When the Lord said whosoever, he included me. And he wrote that song for our family and it brought peace and it brought healing. And so when you look at the arts and the ability we have to communicate and convey these messages, it brings not only healing, but it also brings hope that we're not hopeless and helpless, even though we're all tired because this is a tragedy that is happening way too much. We're going to say not on our watch. So I, I always encourage Jordan to share this because it might bring hope to you or peace or healing. So, yeah, so this is a spoken word uh, letter that I wrote to my friend um, if he was still here. So uh, it goes like this. It's like, uh, man, I wish I could have told you exactly how I felt. I told you that life isn't supposed to be done by yourself, but I was being selfish, and I don't know if you could tell, but I could tell these sticks and stones were terrible for your health. I'm so sorry that I didn't answer your call for help. I saw the signs. Your texts were blowing up my cell, but at the time, I was with David and Michelle, and they were the cool kids. I'm making a name for myself, and I'm ashamed of this image that I built. And death has a way with making you live with guilt, and I still want to wake up from the dream that I'm in, because when you left, man, I feel like a part of me was killed, and I'm left with these memories that I cherish. Like when we skip math, they switch papers in Spanish. Now, anytime I see someone that resembles your presence, I want to give my life to show them that they can make a difference. It's been a long day without you, my friend. And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. We've come a long way from where we began. And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. Thank you, Jordan. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. The complicated thing about death is it leaves this vacancy. And so I... I appreciate that you used your gifts and and art to uh, fill that vacancy. Um, I'm struggling to get to my next question, so this is me struggling through this. Um, I felt some vacancy in 2019. I was leading a team of student pastors, and we had, you know, we worked in a church, so we shouldn't be dealing with mental health and suicide, right? Like these Mm. kids have everything they need. They have community and healthy adults and all of these things. So whenever it, it just kept finding itself in our spaces, it was troubling. Mm. Um, and I remember trying to figure out what I could do for my team, um, who was just feeling really exhausted. We had been to, I think like seven funerals that year. Um, and I came across a seminar here in the city that was being put on Um, for people who worked with teenagers. And we left with this language uh, that was a heavy burden, but it also was really empowering. And and they had told us that the mental health community is calling Gen Z, uh, which by the way, Gen Z is now in the workforce. Uh, They started graduating college two years ago. Um, They, they, the, the mental health community is calling Gen Z uh, the hopeless generation. Mm. And for us as youth pastors, you're like, oh, but also a good thing. If they're hopeless, um, we know the author of it, mm-hmm. right? We know the author of hope. Um, and I, t- I, I, my kids know that your generation is called the hopeless generation and they get angry and I, I want them to get kind of angry about it. But what, what I'm trying to ask you <laughs> that I'm struggling to ask you is that was 2019 and it was dim and we, we labeled them the hopeless generation. Have the statistics changed? Are we doing any better? What are, what are the statistics with teenagers today in suicide? 
Right now, uh, as of 2020, um, Oklahoma is now, as of 2020, Oklahoma was at um, top five. Um, we are in the top 10 just in general, but um, 2020, we were top five. Um, and so, uh, and that's actually what gave me the urgency as well, because Oklahoma went from the 32nd to the third leading state in the nation for teen suicide in 2017. And all of the stuff that I was going through, my, I found out finding out about my friend, and then um, putting my team, putting the team together, which was really all my friends, and then you know praying about the direction on where we go, and then even the name and everything with Generation Wise. Like, if this statistic rose so much, it's because everybody, even myself at the time, I was losing my identity, and I was losing worth. I was losing myself, you know. Um, I was, I was losing sight of what God really put inside of me from the from the beginning, you know, and so um, so that's why we named it Generation Y. Generation Y, we want to implement your purpose, your why to every generation. It don't matter like the age group, um, but obviously we're you know impacting the students, and so um, so the as of 2020 um, we were top five, um, and 2017 we were in the third. So I, we are kind of dwindling down, but I would say this, uh, even too, that like our, um, our students are really trying to just search for something. And whenever we start labeling things, that's whenever we, we lose, um, the tangible, like vulnerable stuff, stuff, because it's like, now it's like, okay, now this is being placed on me. Now I am hopeless. You know, now I am, and people start to identify with that, you know, and then they start to say, well, somebody said I am, I guess I am, you know, I'm going to live like that. I don't have any purpose. Cause I remember, uh, during my generation when I was in youth group, which is a long time ago, um, just kidding. But, um, we were, no, we were labeled as what they say. They, they said that we were labeled as the, um, the idea generation, but never the follow through. So I was like, dang, like, so you're saying we're going to, you know, have a bunch of ideas, but never make anything of, out of ourselves. And then out of that, like, you're always going to have those people that are like, nah, forget that. Like, we're going to actually just, you know, impact the world, whether somebody says we are or not. Um, but then you're also going to have those people that, you know, make that, take that personally, and then start to identify with that and make that their identity. And that's why Generation Y started is like, we're going to say your purpose is your label. Your purpose is where is your foundation and every, everything is up from here. So it's like, if you are constantly, your baseline is your foundation, then everything above that is all, you know, what you make of it. You know what I'm saying? And so like, that's why the purpose is so big. Um, to me, but to the whole team about where, where you go, because your purpose, um, to own, you can only activate your purpose if you realize your potential, your potential can get you to the purpose, but we're all on a process and some people hate that process. And so they, uh, all that to say, long answer, we are top five. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And even well. globally, um, suicide is the number two cause of death for teenagers. Mm. Yeah. So I would not say that it's getting better. I think it's it's escalating, especially in a post-COVID economy. And, mm. and like that didn't just affect grown-ups, that affected the kids too. They had to learn new ways of learning, new ways of communicating. Everything was cyber, so cyberbullying jumped. Yeah. Like there's a lot of things that affected them from that. Mm -hmm. Jordan, I appreciate you bringing up the label thing and I completely mm. agree. Can I explain to you why I tell my 14 year old? Of course. I, 
uh, I know him and, and Pam has kind of seen, I think some of this too, or maybe I don't know. He has this like accidental leadership thing, you know, where I see how influential he is. So when I'm talking to him about this, I'm telling him that the person sitting next to you that you don't make eye contact with is the hopeless generation. And it is your job as a believer, because we are a believer. He is a believer. I'm not saying in our household. Um, but if you're going to wear the church shirts that you wear to school, hmm. uh, then it is your job to make sure that that person does not live that label out. Because hmm. we, this is our job to bring hope. Um, so for me, I'm almost like, he's like the bet kid, right? Where, you know, like, oh, watch me. Um, so I'm like, do something. If you're going to wear the shirts, hmm. Our church is really big on giving out church shirts, Pam. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when my kids wear it, I put I put a burden on them. If you're going to be wearing that sitting next to that kid, you better look in their eyes and bring mm. hope. Because, because they're sitting next to you. Yeah. With, we're either hopeless or hopeful. We don't have a word in the middle. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's why I'm telling him that. Yeah. Um, but I do appreciate that coming from you because we have to be careful. Um because they're desperate for identity and they will grab onto those things. Yeah. I love that, Mel. Thank you for sharing that. Um, moms, I, I want to ask this question, uh, not to create fear in any way in your heart, but really more to create awareness. Um, sometimes we don't know what we don't know until we're told what we don't know. Mm-hmm. So, um, guys, what are the signs of someone struggling with suicidal ideation? And what can a mom do if she sees these signs in her child? I feel like that's a bit of a loaded question. Mm -hmm. It is. This would require a whole other podcast, uh, but just... And I I say that because there are some signs, but also there are no signs. Mm -hmm. Like, we just had a kid this past week stand up with the prettiest smile on their face and say, my parent has no idea I've been thinking about this and heavily contemplating this. And Mm -hmm. we would have never known... Mm-hmm. had they not got up and just said it and decided that I'm not going to hide behind the smile anymore. Mm-hmm. So I don't say that to scare you either. I say that because you have to be uber intentional with your communication because you'll see, like, there's some noticeable things, like, you know, you can Google signs and they'll tell you things like changes in behavior, drastic shifts in those things and grades and attitude and, you know, even starting to use substances, alcohol, drugs, like you might find some stuff and be like, whoa, wait a minute, what's happening? Mm -hmm. We don't do that. So, you know, there's some of those things, but I think more than those obvious signs, the scarier part is the not so obvious signs, which when there are no signs. And that's where uh, you should build a habit every day of intentional communication, not just how was your day, not just how are you doing, not just... No, like, like let's talk. Like, what's on your mind? What's on your heart? I always ask, how is your heart? That's my question. Mm-hmm. And because it doesn't give you an out. If I say, how is your heart? You, you can't say, like, you really have to think about that. And then people will say, you know, it's okay. You know, I'm a little down. I don't even know why I'm down. And then they, now you can get into this deeper conversation about, like, how are you really? Not just, I'm fine. My day was good. Shrug your shoulders. Like, you, you, you have to dig deeper in a way that doesn't feel like digging and so you got to get creative with that and Mm -hmm. what that looks like but that communication if you create an environment of safety they'll tell you some stuff and just be prepared what they tell you and if you don't jump off the deep end 
when you hear something extreme, they will keep telling you stuff. Mm -hmm. And even though it's going to be hurtful and sometimes shocking to hear what they say, like I've had some some students that aren't even, I'm not even related to tell me some things that make my head spin. And in the moment, I'm just keeping my cool and I'm just listening Mm. and, you know, um, one of my students that I mentor, I created this environment, safety. We had this thing we met every week. And said student told me this one day that I've been feeling real homicidal lately. He didn't say suicide, I said homicidal. Like, whoa, that's intense. But it was what gave them the ability to keep opening up and keep talking was my response. So what I'm telling you is when they tell you whatever it is they tell you, do the best you can to keep your head, keep your cool, don't blow a gasket. And then you can create an environment of safety. And they'll keep telling you things you can actually help them. Because mm. you don't want them to isolate. You don't want them to start leaning on their own ability and thoughts from a place of emotional immaturity to be making, like, potential lifelong decisions. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And then uh, I, w- I would say, yeah, the, the scariest stuff is the uh, no science. I was, we were talking to, it was actually a mom, too. She was a, a therapist, was, she's still here. But um, she was telling us about one of her her students well not students it was actually her um her son and so um she was telling us that like and this is a counselor that like i mean you go to school for this stuff you're supposed to recognize signs this is this is you know psychology she's supposed to know everything right um and then you know her son actually ended up you know taking his life as well um and it was something that she did not catch she didn't see any signs she didn't see like this is a counselor you know what i'm saying or a therapist and she was like so shook because um you know she didn't see anything coming like that and so uh but like the thing is with generation y and like marco was saying is like that creating that safe space um not to react but to respond to your student like if you if i catch a reaction from somebody and i from me telling them something and they're like off guard or they're like nervous about it it's like i don't feel like i am safe enough to talk to you about this topic so i'm gonna you you know divert or go to somebody else to talk about it um or not talk about it at all right and so um but that safety and that trust um, is I heard it uh, from Pastor Mike Todd. It's like trust is gained in droplets and lost in buckets. And it's like I have to take a long time to be earning your trust. And for us parents, we want something urgent. And we, we talk about this generation of like, you know, we they want something, you know, fast, urgent, microwave generation, all that kind of stuff. But parents do too. You know what I'm saying? We want some we want to fix. We want, you know, them to be done with their emotions, all that kind of stuff, and just get over it, that type of thing. Right. But it's like patience is the virtue to gaining trust right and so if we can we can practice this patience i'm doing it with my son and i'm i'm you know i am good some days and i'm not you know but and we're all working on it but um as long as i constantly remind you know myself um my wife and then even my friends that engage with my son i'm like yo like he's dealing with something you know as well don't react just respond like you know, right. meet him where he's at. And so um, as long as, you know, you create that safe space, that safe environment, like I believe, um, and that's just with anybody too, teens, adults, um, we're all dealing with stuff, you know. 
and we're talking about, you know, suicide with these teens um, and stuff like that. But we've seen so many teachers even come up to us as like, man, you know, um, I know this is just for the students and everything, but um, I've actually been contemplating as well. And I've been thinking about it. It's been heavy on my heart and all that. And I'm like, I can't respond if I or if I reacted, you know, they they'd lose all trust. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, for us to be able to create that safe spaces like these students, these teachers all alike, everybody's searching for purpose. And so um, we can combat that by creating that safe space for us to talk about it. I like that. Um, do you, um, as I'm thinking about our moms wanting now to go somewhere to have some resources to help them, do you have any resources for moms or parents or, st or students out there for someone that's either dealing with these thoughts of suicide or someone who is maybe suffering from the loss of a loved one? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's there's plenty of um, resources out there. Obviously, you know, Oklahoma currently now has uh, 988, and that's there's two folds to that. So there's a um, state one or a national one through the 988 that goes through Oklahoma, which are people that are um, there. And I think that they said their response time is like 10 seconds. So you're given a call, you get right on the line with somebody that is currently in Oklahoma that you'll be able to talk to. They've been able in the past year, I think, being it, been able to help and service 40,000 people in this past year. And so that's huge and amazing. Um, and then the um, Native... What about outside Oklahoma? What yeah. about outside Oklahoma? Yeah, yeah. So uh, the 988 is a national hotline as well. So um, you can be able to... And I don't know about every state, so don't quote me on that one. But um, I know Oklahoma for sure has like, you know, um, call center here in Oklahoma. So you'll be able to talk to somebody here um, in other states. Um, they, they're probably the same way, um, as well as um, American Foundation of Suicide Prevention. That's one of our partners. Um, and they have resources as well for somebody who's contemplating, for signs, uh, for resources, as well as um, for a loss of a loved one or how to deal with somebody that just lost somebody. And so, um, so yeah, there's those main two, as well as counselors, therapists, obviously, as well. And so um, we've, we're creating as Generation Y a database of counselors and therapists that we can be able to turn uh, students to if they're looking for like one-on-one, face-to-face type stuff. Um, and so we want we want to be able to you know help these students walk through life with somebody because you never know when you can be that somebody for somebody. So um, those are the things that uh, Generation Y provides. So yeah, yeah, I would say <clears throat> in addition to what Jordan said, there's no shortage of organizations worldwide. So mm -hmm. a quick Google search will pull up the closest things to you and there's all types of organizations. So like I am an advocate for a peer-led peer support group. Like it's a, a based out of Los Angeles and it's called Space Movement. And it's not even therapists, it's just a safe community for people to come and have people so they don't suffer alone. Mm -hmm. So there's things like that all over the country. So. You can Google those, and whatever you do, just take action. Don't sit on it. Hmm. Don't contemplate. Don't think, well, maybe let me just wait. And there's no wait and see with this. You have to move with urgency because you would much rather be uncomfortable in figuring that out and putting your plan in place for if there's a crisis than to be dealing with the aftermath of an unfortunate situation. Hmm. Yeah. If, if you are listening, and this is something that, that I got recently, it was a download, and I'm not even a puzzle maker. But let's say we're doing a puzzle, right? And 
if we were all putting together a puzzle and we're working together, let's say it's not a 10-piece puzzle, not the easy ones where you just put the corners and it's two pieces left, a big puzzle, and it's like a 1,000 pieces. And we're going and we're working and we're having fun and we're talking and Jordan's doing his part and Mel's doing her part and Pam's doing her part. We're having a great time and you're doing your part and she's doing her part and your kid's doing their part and we get to the point of the puzzle where we're at the very end and we're at the big crescendo and we're about to have fun together, right? We're about to celebrate and we realize that there's a piece missing. What happens when you get to the end of the process and there's a piece missing? Well, we feel empty because forever the picture will never be complete. So if you're listening to the sound of my voice, I want you to hear something and understand that life itself is a puzzle. But you are the piece. And without you in it, the picture will never be complete. So never fall victim to the lies that no one would care anyway. No one, who would care if I wasn't here? Who would care? Nobody cares anyway. It would just be easier if I wasn't here. I would no longer be a burden. That is a lie. Do not believe it without you in it. You are the piece that completes the puzzle. We need your piece, your gift, your talent, your smile, your existence is the gift and the piece that completes the puzzle. So take that with you and never let that message leave your heart because you are vital. Hmm. That's good. Yeah. I mean, that our urgency, man, is is so important because, um, man, not not only do I, I would I would never want a student to feel um, the darkness or a, a aloneness feel um, that I felt personally, um, but making making each each person feel like they're important in that present moment. Because none of us in this room, none of us in this world are literally are just taking up space. And there's a lot of people that come on Generation Y and they're like, man, before this, I did not know what I wanted to do. I don't feel like I have any talents to contribute. And I, don't, I was like, I don't care. You being here is all that matters. You showing up is all that matters. I don't care if you do anything. I don't care if you just sit in, on the bus uh, making weird noises. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? But like, as long as you are here and you understand that people care about you, that is that's all that matters. And and talking to you know the single moms or the moms out there that like uh, you may have a student or you have a child that is thinking about stuff or um, or you're wondering if they are thinking about stuff. Um, I would say your presence is more important than you know. You know, your words, your hugs, your everything. It may seem overbearing, I don't know, but as long as they have you, that that is the most important thing. And you have a such a pivotal role. And even if you as a mom feel like, you know, there's a weight on you and you feel like you may be struggling or you're having uh, certain type of thoughts or anything like that or any ideations, whatever. But like if you are dealing with that, let me tell you right now, you have a role that is more important than, you know, that's a twofold thing. It goes for your 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 kid. And it also goes for you as well, because you matter no matter what you think you are in your present moment. I don't know what it is, but you matter. Uh, we even have it on the shirt right now. Mental health matters. And you may be getting asked um, all the time, or even if you're not, uh, there's people who slide up in our DMs asking uh, or saying crazy stuff all the time. And it does not matter 
of our reaction that we want to give. It matters of our response. And your student or your child needs your response and your heart and your presence. They don't need your reaction, even though you want to react, right? Um, as we all tend to do. Um, but your presence matters and you matter. So we love you moms. Thank you. Thank you so much for bringing clarity to this chaos, but also encouraging our moms because they deserve that. In closing, I just want to tell our moms that we are going to ask you to be brave, uh, brave enough to ask for help. Like, don't you dare be embarrassed about this. If it's about your child or yourself, ask for help, brave enough to look for signs, even if it scares you brave enough to give your child a front row seat to hope. And Romans 15, 13 says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Moms, may you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. 